0: Welcome to another episode of the Real Life Theology Podcast. Today we are wrapping up our series on rhythms by looking at the vertical rhythms of life. Andrew Jit and Daniel McCoy discuss the significance of disciple-making and how it can transform our lives. They share insights from their book and highlight the experiences of individuals from around the world who have embraced these rhythms of faith. So get ready to be inspired and challenged as we explore what it means to live out real life theology through the rhythms of disciple-making. Let's dive in.
1: The rhythm, how to read the Bible.
2: What's your favorite practical step in this chapter? For me, it's making it a first appointment of the day, right? And it's something that I'm very conscious of since I wrote about it in the book. So now I have to live it out. But it's a good reminder, right? And uh, just beginning each day, again, we, we have these things that we can look at where we can get a lot of knowledge and wisdom And we can get answers, what we need throughout the day. And it's something that we look at at the beginning, at the end of the day. And sadly, that's this thing, right? Right. But we have the word of God that provides answers to every question in life that we have, that will give us wisdom, that will teach us the right path to go down. And so for me, it's leaning into God's word and God's wisdom first. Right. Allowing that to not be, hey, check all the emails. Right. Because one bad email can put a sour tone over the rest of the day. Or if you look at an online post, someone said something negative or someone, Mm. I didn't get enough likes on this or not enough people commented on that. And so I always use God's word as a filter, you know, in a sponge, but not allowing other things to take that place, right? So everything that comes through my day is beginning with God's word and God's wisdom. In light of that, that's how I'm going to respond. You know, and it was just beautiful. Yesterday, I was reading First Corinthians 15 and had a devotion with an organization that I'm involved in and was able just to share. Like I was reading this before that prayer time and I was just excited to be able to go, guys, do we get this? Do we understand that together we get to partner in the resurrection of Christ? Like, you know, and I just didn't want to keep that good news to myself. And I was like, yes, I get to share it with brothers and sisters around the world. So I love that. Again, just the hearing, hearing. there are many things that can I cannot time. And to me, how to read the Bible. Again, pick that time in the day that works best. And for me, I encourage people just to go. You can't start off your day any better than sitting down and into God's Word. Yeah. For you, and, what, what's the insight that you took away?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I we we give a lot of tools, which I think is super helpful. We need we need tools. You know, we, it's not easy to just jump in and and understand it sometimes it's very helpful to to come to the bible with some tools you know the the most interesting one i think was the maps that we get i mean these are basic like you you don't have to be a cartographer i think that's the word. you you know i'm certainly not but to be able to mentally have okay this is a map of the old testament world when where those events took place this is a map of the new testament world i think that's just so helpful we talk about, you know, having an intentional time and space. Uh, we talk about having a, a mental map of kind of the basic storyline, of the basic timeline. All of these, I think, are very helpful in encouraging people to have, you know, a real engagement with the word. So I think that just coming with those tools are very, very helpful. I'm curious, are you, when you read the Bible each morning, is it a, a hard copy or are you more like, a, do you listen to the word?
2: Yeah, I need a book in front of me. And I love it because even so my girls and I, we're all walking through as a family, like the same Bible reading plan. And then what we do each night, this is a rhythm that we've developed. We do a devotional time. Mm-hmm. And so it rotates through, you know, who it, who shares it. So one day it's me, then it's my daughter, then it's my wife, then it's my other daughter. And we just kind of share the inside. And what we, we do is we kind of read in two versions, both the NIV and the message just to get different perspectives on different things. And so that's really fun. And so, yeah, two Bibles, message, NIV, and just really leaning into what the different paraphrases, you know, in the message are saying back to what the NIV was as well. But yeah, yeah I can't listen, I get too distracted and then my mind starts to wander. So for me i
1: actually I, I listen that's that's my best way to do it, and that's honestly one of the ways that helps me to make sure it happens very early because you know it's right there with the the you know the ear earbuds or whatever so that's yeah I, what I, one one thing I like about this chapter is we really do give a lot of different options you know for different personalities, learning styles, that sort of thing, which which is important because not everybody has the same way of of engaging the Bible.
2: And there's well, some of
1: exactly. the best tools out there.
2: Yeah. And and leaning in even to the next chapter, how to pray, there are different frameworks that we have and we provide a lot of them. For you, is there one particular framework that helps you in your prayer life?
1: Well, that was, this was a fun chapter
2: to put together
1: with you. I mean, this was because we, 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 and actually, let me, let me just mention real quick. I don't think we've, we've said yet the study section has a a frame that each chapter has go, goes according to this frame and so you know the first is okay if i do develop this rhythm then the next is i or i'm sorry if, if i first is if i don't develop this rhythm then this is what happens the second if i do develop the rhythm this is what happens so we're kind of giving people some motivations like this is important if you don't do this this is what life will be like if you do this is what life will be like but then thirdly we get very practical we bring it down into steps and we say i can do this i can develop the rhythm of prayer if and then we have we've, we've broken it down into you know the the things that need to be in place in life for that rhythm to become natural but back to your question i'd say that you know it was, just, it was super fun to put together the different prayer prompts and to look at different scriptures and to say uh, this is kind of a way that this prayer unfolds. You know, this is these are some, you know, Isaiah 6, for example, you know, you've got you start by, this is who you are, you know, God, you are, this is what I confess, cleanse me of. And then lastly, you know, Isaiah 6, this is the commission of Isaiah, send me. And so it's not the only way to do prayer, but that's a that's a nice example of a prayer prompt straight out of a scriptural way of doing it. So for me, I I think that just having some prayer prompts, I like variety and that's a really helpful section for me.
2: Well, and I love just even going to the model of prayer, you know, that Jesus gives us in the Lord's prayer and and fleshing that out for people and understanding why that was such a powerful prayer in the way that Jesus taught it, because the disciples asked him like how to pray. And so I love that we get real, you know, with this chapter than just saying again how to do it and then beautiful snapshot from Tetakud talking about who I know is a man of prayer and how that lives out. And so then even having the prompts to be able to go, right, how do I cultivate this idea of not only, you know, verbally, but also listening as well. And just being able to lean into both sides of prayer talking, but then also allowing space for God to be able to speak is so key mm-hmm. for that chapter. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The rhythm of how to keep the faith, super important rhythm. And it, I believe it is a rhythm. I believe it's something that, you know, it's 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 not just a either you do or you don't. I mean, they're there are lifestyle patterns that 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 lead you to be able to stay close to, to Christ. And so like I said about each rhythm. In the study section, we talk about if you don't develop this rhythm, this is what happens. If you do, this is what happens. And then we have a, you can do this if these things are in place. And so I'm just going to unpack what we said in that chapter about these things need to be in place for you to be able to keep the faith. So we talked about the importance of can you remember your baptism? You know, Are you cultivating a relationship with the real God? are you walking with people who have also committed to Jesus? And are you able to bring your tough questions into the light, you know, into into his presence and into the church, you know, and and the presence of of other believers? So of those kind of things that need to be in place for you to be able to keep the faith, remember your baptism, cultivating relationship with God, walking with people who are also committed, and then bringing those tough questions in light. Is there one of these that you think people especially tend to forget and need to to be reminded of?
2: I think it's cultivating that relationship with God, right? We can go, okay, we've been saved. So we've got hell insurance, right? We're good. Okay, let's just hit cruise control. And we can forget the magnitude and the majesty and the holiness and the grandeur of who God is right? And I think so often we can just focus on Jesus, but forget about God and the Holy Spirit. And I love the title Francis Chan gave to the Holy Spirit, you know, Forgotten God. Because again, understanding who we are and who we are in the identity of the triune God is so key, because I think it's all about, well, okay, I I was baptized, I was saved, so then I'm just going to do this, 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 and this. And it That's, I think, where a lot of the guilt comes in because we haven't developed the right way of living and developing that relationship because there's not a lot of ways in which we're told how to, right? We're told the need to, but oftentimes we can forget about that application process. And so, as I was, you know, just walking through even with the disciple recently, it's about we've got to keep moving forward, right? It's not about just a one and done deal. It's this daily decision. And that even goes back to defining who we are as disciples. It's this daily decision to make the conscious way that we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to put him first. We're going to allow ourselves to be changed by him and then live on mission for him. So for me, I think, yeah, how to keep the faith, we've got to lean into that it's got to be something we own. And that for me was my testimony. At some point, I knew I had to let go of what my family had raised me to do and to know and to believe and take it on as my own, that my faith became mine, but I needed to figure out who God was in relationship to who I am and what I believe. What about you? What would you say is is something that you see lacking in some people today?
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of people um, feel as though it is wise. Uh, to keep stuff in the dark, you know, whether that be moral stuff, or I should say immoral stuff, or whether it be doubts, intellectual doubts, emotional seasons of disconnection with God, cynicism, growing cynicism toward the church. I think that, I think it's really easy to keep that kind of hidden away, quarantined away in the dark and w- they'll only grow there. I think we have to be able to help people you know bring them out into the light and 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 to have faith you know that that you know there's not there are, there are no questions that are unique to right now. I mean every every tough question has been wrestled with and has good answers. I mean it, just, it really does. And so having some faith that God can handle it and that the church can help you. so bringing bringing those out in the light, I think is, is one that we tend to forget. We so easily, you know, do the Genesis 3, oh no, he's coming, I've got to, I've got to hide away. And that's just, yeah, that's just such a, a terrible decision. So I'd say, yeah, helping people bring tough decisions or tough questions out of the light. I think we need to be able to, our churches need to be places where we don't freak out
2: because of, you know, the
1: tough questions. Yeah.
2: Yeah, go with What's the rhythm? How to make a difference? It's a question just love to ask you, like, what are some things you hope that God would accomplish through your life? How would you answer that?
1: Um, I i remember, I think it was Fred Craddock, a great preacher named Fred Craddock. And he said something to the effect of, you know, when I was a young man I wanted to be a preacher, when I got a little bit older, I wanted to be a great preacher. And And, as he's gotten older, you know he he became a, a world-renowned preacher, one of the greats, and he says, "Now that I'm old, I just want to be a Christian." Hmm. and i I think that you know what do i what do I want God to accomplish through my life um, or what do I think he wants to accomplish through my life? You know, obviously the uh I, th- I think it goes back to I just I want to be a disciple, I want to be a disciple maker." I want to be who I, by God, who by God's grace I already am. Let us only take hold of that which, I'm, I'm butchering the verse, but let us only take hold of that for which He's taken hold of us, something like that. Let, let me just become what I already, by God's grace, I already am. You know, so I talk about some of identity statements, you know, that I've, I really, by God's grace, I believe these are true. I'm a Christ-like, or I want to be, or I, I am a Christ-like husband. I'm a joyful dad, an engaged friend, worshipful musician, encouraging editor. These are some of the things that I, I believe by God's grace that I am. And I just, I want to become what what by his grace I already am. Hopefully that makes some sense. But but that's, yeah, that's what I want him to accomplish through me. And what I believe he wants to accomplish through me is me being what he already says that I am and living with purposefulness and intentionality
2: in that. Yeah. Yeah, What about you? Yeah, I think for me, it's about finishing strong. You know, I think there are too many that focus on the beginning, but not the end. And so for me, I want to accomplish that. I ran the race. It wasn't perfect. And I know by God's grace, you know, that he sustains me. He keeps me. And so it's going, I want to be that faithful example of saying, the word of God and the spirit of God, I was a man of God and living that balance out. So again, most important relationship with God, you know, second with my wife that I love her well as Christ loves the church. And then, you know, my girls see me living out this faith well, and that then permeates to every other relationship that I've involved in. So you know, I remember lying in bed one day and someone was like, as a kid, they, they kind of asked us, it was kind of morbid, like, what would you want your tombstone to say? And I was like, oh, gosh, never really thought about it. So I was pondering it one night and, and I always remember I always wanted to have on it humble and helpful. Now I don't know if i saying that out loud truly leads into that humbleness that I want to be known as humble. But that idea that, yeah, Christ was magnified and glorified through everything that I did so that the testimony continues on, because I think, you know, the best thing we can leave the next generation. And and that's why, again, very blessed to have authored this book with you, because we said, hey, this is for our kids, that there is some good theology and spirituality and, you know, rhythms that they can develop in their own lives. Because I believe that what we can give the next generation and those that follow us is not a, a an inheritance, but a legacy, you know, to follow after. So for me, finish strong, leave the legacy of faith. Yeah. What is one thing that you've learned
1: from one of the snapshots? Is there anything, I mean, the, the snapshots are, are, are wonderful. That's one of the huge strengths of this and our previous book is we're getting wisdom from not only a lot of people, but from all over the world, right? You know, disciples of Jesus from from all over. And so uh, what's one thing that really sticks out to you from these snapshots? Yeah.
2: Yeah, what I love is just the honesty, you know, truthful from every snapshot. These people who just kind of put their their life on paper for us to be able to get a glimpse into what it means to... You know, unlearn bad habits and learn good habits to how to read the Bible, you know, to suffer well. And, and one that was just really, really beautiful to read was the one on how to pray that, that Tadaku wrote. And I remember what he, he wrote. He said, It takes discipline and conviction, it's not always fun. And I've had the privilege of sitting with him and in moments where We have prayed and prayed and, you know, both open our eyes and there are just tears streaming down our faces. And so to be able to experience that, but to then pass that on to the reader has been fun and a joy to be able to share men and women who have lived out their faith well and want to see others be challenged and grown in their faith to then really go, hey, this is a rhythm that I've developed in my life. And this is how you can learn from my example. Truly humbling that we were able to include so many great stories. But yeah, just just leaning into that idea of it takes discipline, conviction, and it's not always fun. Sometimes these rhythms won't be easy, right, to cultivate, but the rewards are so beautiful that we get through our relationship with King Jesus. So what about you, brother? What What was an insight that you gleaned from it? From a snapshot. Well, for sure. Um, not a not an insight, but a a mood of
1: humility, because these are people that have so much to teach about living the Christian life. And, you know, for example, what you know, suffering well, um uh, in, in ways that, you know, I've never I've never suffered in that way, but but to be mentored by that, a snapshot, or to have one's life oriented around the purpose of being a disciple makes a disciple and and to do things that are very difficult in that mission. I mean, it's just very humbling. And I I love to be able to sit at the feet of these wise people. And I'd say in particular, there's one snapshot that I was just so grateful that made it in this book. And that's the snapshot from Randy Garris. There was a something that he's put together after a season of kind of chaos in his own ministry in his his younger years he was like man I'm just everybody expects so much I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing I don't know what a a healthy life looks like a balanced life and looks like and so you know he took he paused and he took some time to really search out the life of Jesus and what did his life look like that obviously was very purposeful was also very balanced and very you know it was it was a sustainable thing and so he he put together 10 steps to wholeness one of my brothers sent it to me years ago you know and he said this is this is so helpful and it's you know we were able to you know that that was able to really direct my life in some important ways and i was able to ask him if he would package those 10 steps to wholeness in a section in this book on in the snapshot and just i'm just so grateful for that because again the the wisdom that has Help shape my life and other people's lives, able to uh, shape more lives through this book. So yeah, that would be a, that's, that's a beautiful
2: one for me. Absolutely. And again, it just leans into the title, how do we develop these rhythms to live out real life theology? And we get to sit and read and embrace great stories from all around the world of those that have done that in such a godly manner. And showing
1: us that not only is theology understandable, like our our previous book, Real Life Theology Handbook, but that Christianity is doable, these rhythms. uh, We don't have to be sustained in kind of a stagnant, uneasy guilt. Uh, We really can live the life that he has put before us. And so for that, I'm very grateful.
2: Absolutely. And it's going to look different. And that's what's fun for each of us, celebrating that diversity
0: as we all make music together. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rhythms. I hope this series has blessed you in your faith and walk with God. As we look into the how-tos of the Christian faith, I hope you guys will check out the book. Link is in the description for more information about that now stay with us next week we are launching a brand new series focused on another book that renew.org recently released called the fool of god now you'll want to stay tuned stay with us follow us on social media and whatnot take care guys and see you soon